a warm morning as we come to, to meet, to worship our God, whether we're here in the building or whether you're joining us online. Well, welcome. As many as you will know that today is Palm Sunday, so we are in the week leading up to the death of our Lord Jesus. And I'm going to read a few verses out of Matthew, um, which is what Palm Sunday remembers as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. So we're in Matthew 21. Now when they, that's Jesus and the disciples, drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And I wonder what our response would have been to Jesus if we were there at that time. You know, would we have been cutting trees down? Would we have been shouting Hosanna? Or would we have been those saying, who is this? And actually that's a question we can ask today, isn't it, in our hearts. If we don't know Jesus, who is this? And that's a great question. Um, Many of you I know have been thinking of friends that you can perhaps invite for this coming Sunday either the Sunday morning or the Sunday evening. You know, perhaps God is putting on their heart to ask that question. Who is this? Who is Jesus? And there are some invites out in the foyer. Um, If you still have some friends you'd want to invite and haven't given them an invite, please make use of those. Just a couple of other notices. Um, We have no evening service on Thursday this week because it's Good Friday. So Paul Oliver will be preaching to us in the evening at 6.30 on Friday. And there's a notice in the foyer for next Sunday evening. We're going to have puddings after the service. I like a good pudding. Um, So if you are willing to either make one or to bring one, then please pop your name down on the list. That would be gratefully appreciated. Let's just turn to our God in prayer. Father God, we ask that you would be with us as we come to worship you. We pray that you would keep any distraction from us. We pray our hearts will be focused on worshipping and praising you. If any of us do not know you, we pray that you would put that question on our hearts and our minds. Who is this? Who is Jesus? Amen. We're going to come to our, our first our first song, which is all glory, praise and honour. And the Palm Sunday reading is one of the ten events that appears in all of the four Gospels. And in Luke, um, you read, they, 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 the whole multitude begins to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice 
for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And our first hymn, very much, our first song, is about giving glory, praise and honour to our God and to the Lord Jesus. All glory, praise and honour to you, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet Hosanna's ring. hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And we turn to Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. And we remember that Acts is also written by Luke. So we have the last 
verses from his first book and the next verses from his second book. Acts 1 verse 1. In this book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself, that is Jesus, alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. We're going to sing our our next song, our next hymn, which is, Jesus is King and I will extol him. Again, carrying on with our theme of praise. Give him the glory and honour his name. He reigns on high, enthroned in the heavens, Word of the Father, exhorted from us. And after the hymn, if children would like to come up, Josh is going to do the children's talk.
Good morning. Good morning. Well, I'd like to tell you a little story about when I was a little boy. So I was six or seven, a little bit, same, same age as some of you guys maybe, and I was at the school up the road in Cobra, and I wasn't having a good day because there was another little boy and he was being really mean to me. So he was, he was telling his friends to chase me around, but not just to chase me around, but to kick me. They're chasing me around and kicking me. And I felt really sorry for myself. Do you feel a little bit sorry for me hearing that story? A little bit. I feel sorry for myself. So he's chasing me around and kicking me. And I, I was really upset. I wasn't happy. So this boy that was getting his friends to chase me around and kick me, how do you think I felt about him? Do you think that I wanted to be really nice to him? No. Do you think I wanted to be unkind to him? Do you think I wanted to get my own back? I did, to be honest, yeah. And at the end of that break time, when he didn't have all of his friends there, I went back and I tried to hurt him. I tried to hit him back. Not very good. You shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't be telling you that. It's not a good thing. You shouldn't do that, especially not you. Okay. But what do we do when people are nasty to us? Maybe people, maybe brothers and sisters, maybe people at school, they might say something to us with their words and it might hurt our feelings. Or they might even, like I was talking about, they might even do something that actually hurts us. What do we do when people are mean to us? Well, maybe you're a little bit like me and maybe you want to get back at them. Even if that's not a very nice thing to do. Well, let's look at the Bible and see what we should be doing. Hopefully we've got some, some Bible up here somewhere. Brilliant. Can someone read this for me? <coughs> Go on, can you read for me? Thank you. Yeah, it says, love your enemies. So enemies are like people who come to do bad things to you. Love your enemies. And then what's it say we should do for them? Pray for them. Pray for them. Wow. Now, when I was a little boy, that is not what I wanted to do to people who were being mean to me. Have any of you guys prayed for your enemies? Have any of you guys prayed for people who've been mean to you at school? Hopefully no one's mean to you at school. Have you tried that before? Well, the Bible says that is what we should be doing. I think that sounds really hard. Do you think it sounds hard or easy? I think so. It's hard for me as a grown-up. I think it's hard for all of us. Loving our enemies and praying for them. But this is something I think it would be amazing if we all tried to do this week. So this week, if someone says something really mean to us, if someone does something that hurts us, what are we going to remember to do? We're going to go away and we're going to pray for them. That is something we can do. But it's so hard that if I just say, okay guys, go home and pray when people are mean to you, where are you going to get the help? It sounds so difficult. Where are we going to get some help? Well, if we need help, a good person we can go to is Jesus. So we've got another Bible verse here. Can someone else read this out for me? Thank you. So this is when Jesus is on the cross. We think about this a lot at Easter, don't we? 
So they are hurting him a lot. This is much, much worse than when people were kicking me at school. They are, you know, this is terrible. It's really, really sad. They're hurting Jesus. But when that's happening, what does Jesus say? What does he do? He prays, doesn't he? Because it says, he says, Father, forgive them. So when Jesus is talking to the Father, it means he's praying. So even while Jesus is being hurt, he prays for the people who are hurting him. Now, I think that is amazing. I think that's amazing because I think, would I do that? And I would find that really, really hard. So when I look at Jesus, I think, wow, Jesus is so much better than me. He's so much better than me and he's so much better than us. And that is amazing. So this is the second thing I'd really like you to remember. So number one, I would love it if we went away and tried to pray for people who are mean to us. But number two, I would love it if we remembered that Jesus is amazing. Because Jesus does it even better than we can do it when we are trying our best. So two things to remember. Let me pray for us all and then we'll finish. Lord God, we pray for your help today and this week. We pray that when people are unkind to us, when people are mean to us with their words and their actions, we pray that you'd help us not to want to get our own back and to be mean to them back. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to do what you say, to love them and to even pray for them. Lord, we, 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 we pray that now. And Lord, we pray to say that you are amazing. Jesus, we look at what you do and you are so much better um, than us. Uh, and, and we thank you for that and we praise you and we say, Jesus, you are amazing. Amen. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Should we carry on in that spirit of prayer? Let's, let's come to our God again in prayer. Father God, we ask that you would help us to, to come in praise, help us to come in you in adoration. Lord, help us to come in you, come to you remembering who we are. Simple, fallen, um, people that we are your creation, but we've turned our back on you. But we want to thank you for the events around Easter. We want to thank you for the way the Lord Jesus was willing, your son was willing to be obedient to you and to leave the perfection of your company in heaven and come down and live amongst us as wicked human beings. And we've just been, we've just been taught by Josh how that you have instructed us, how you have set an example that we are to pray for those who don't like us. Pray for those who, praise for those who do mean things to us. And you demonstrated that by the way on the cross. Lord, you not only prayed for those round about you that were putting you to death. Lord, you were dying so that each of us who would come to you and ask for forgiveness could have peace with the Father in heaven. Father God, we ask that our hearts will respond Bond to you in praise when we think about that. We pray this week as it leads up to Easter that we'd have that special time with you as we reflect on what you've done. Lord, we pray for any who do not know you as our saviour. We pray for any who do not know who Jesus is. We pray for any who do not want to know who Jesus is. We pray that they would have that question put onto their hearts and onto their minds. Who is this? 
Why has he done this? Why do Christians remember Easter? And we ask that they would come and find out more. Lord, it's a great message. A message that this dark world needs. Lord, each of us, whether we're here in this building or out on the street, will acknowledge that we do wrong. Lord, quite often we compare us to someone else and we don't feel quite so bad. But Lord, when we see events that are happening around Russia and Ukraine, we can see the hardness and the darkness of what people are willing to do. And Lord God, we pray and we ask for that situation. We pray that, Lord, that you would put some restraint, that you would, Lord, in your power, Lord, you would stop the violence, you would stop the killing, you would stop the fighting. Lord, we know it's according to your will, but we don't understand that. Lord, we ask your restraining hand would would be put back on evil. Lord, we pray that you would work mightily. Lord God, we remember tomorrow. Lord, we pray for the funeral of Amber May. We ask that you would be with the family, that you would be with her parents. We pray that you would be with Kitty Rose and Amy. We ask, and Emily, we ask that you would be with them on a difficult day. We pray that they would know your, your comfort, your peace, your strengthening hand. We pray for the family around them and those who are supporting them. We pray for John as well as he takes the service. Lord, a truly difficult time, but we pray that you would be glorified in here, in the events of, of that day. Lord God, we want to come in praise and remember the way your word is going out. We would pray for Sunday school. We pray for Rooted. We ask that as the children listen and learn, that your seed would be sown in their hearts and their lives would be changed. We thank you for all the children that heard a gospel message through CERT this week. We ask that, again, the seed would be sown and that lives would be changed and the kingdom of heaven would be enlarged as souls are added to it. Lord, we we pray for those that we partner in prayer abroad. We think of the Swansons. We ask that you would pray with them, that you would be with them, that you would help them as they pastor uh, that church there, the Cypriot Turks, as well as the African students, and their varying and different needs. We pray to strengthen them. We commit to you the Saywells as they have now arrived in the Philippines. We pray you be with uh, Ruben and Kathy and their three children and strengthen them and help them as they start their new life uh, serving you there. Lord God, we want to remember our prisons in this country. Lord, we remember those, the chaplains and those who go in um, to talk about you. We thank you that uh, the services, the worship services on a Sunday will soon be coming back online after covid and we pray that that will be a time where uh, your word will impact and will affect uh, the hearts of those who are listening. We're so thankful that none of us are too bad to be saved. None of us have done a crime that is beyond um, the power of your death and your forgiving, um, your forgiveness um, and through salvation in the Lord Jesus. 
Lord God, we pray that as John brings your word to us now, that our hearts would be open to listen to it and would be ready to respond to it. And that as we leave the building today, Lord, we will go away changed, either knowing you more or wanting to praise and worship you more. And we pray in our lives that they would bring glory and honour to you. Amen. We've got our our third song, which kind of um, encompasses everything that we've been taught from Luke um, over the past few months. It summarises some of the highlights of of Luke. So we we start with Jesus' birth, and then we move to his death and where he's living now. So from the squalor of a borrowed stable, by a spirit and a virgin's birth. Let's stand and sing.
So we come to our last message on this uh, series of Luke. Uh, some here have uh, been with us since the start of the series. Uh, others of you have joined more recently. For those who've been around since the start, you know how long we've uh, been going through Luke. Well, our first uh, time in Luke in this series was in January 2020. So, on and off, we've been in Luke for uh, a couple of years. We started off with Luke by helicopter as we did an overview of Luke back in that time. So, Luke has been our companion through lockdown. It's sort of bracketed, really, over the COVID period. It's been our good news during the period of the virus. It's pointed us to Jesus. It's challenged us. We've looked at some familiar stories in the Bible, and yet hopefully we've seen them in a fresh way as we've seen them in their setting and how they're uh, combined with other events in the Gospel of Luke. More recently, we've been uh, tracking the events in the build-up to Easter as we've been thinking of the cross and the resurrection. Lots of things that have uh, happened en route, and we have a little chance to reflect on some of that as we go through this morning. And maybe that will act as an appetizer if you've come in near the end of Luke to, to have a look through Luke for yourselves. In one way, we might be a little sad coming to the end of the book and leaving it, but that's certainly not the mood of these verses that we're looking at this morning. Well, Luke hasn't finished his writing. As we've been reminded, there is a sequel to Luke. It is the book of Acts. They're very interrelated. You know, these (coughs) monkey uh, sort of plastic toys where they used to chain and and the arms used to interweave uh, into each other. Well, you find that with Luke and Acts. They're very much interwoven. It reminds me of when I was younger and there used to be two-part series on the television and you'd watch the first one and it would come up at the end, to be continued. Well, Luke is to be continued and he, is, he carries on as he writes in the book of Acts. But this morning we're coming to the end of the first account, to the end of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, these last few verses, they, they bring some conclusion to his time here on earth and I think to our response to the Gospel of Luke. Blessing runs through the verses. Let me read them again, 50 to 53. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Two important halves to these verses and to what we're thinking of this morning. The first is this, Jesus leaving earth. Jesus leaving earth. And this is important for a a proper understanding of Jesus. Jesus was alive for 40 days. 
uh, we're told in the book of Acts. We read some of those verses. We have some of the highlights of those days in the Gospel accounts and also some more in 1 Corinthians 15. If you piece it together and tot up, I think you'll find that there are ten different appearances of the risen Christ. And uh, this morning we're, we're on the tenth. And this is what happens, verse 50 to 51 again. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. This is usually called the ascension, uh, the going up of Jesus, his return to heaven. And as we think through these verses and a little bit more about what the New Testament teaches, we might, we, we, might, we might be thinking, well, how did he go up to heaven? How did he go to heaven? Well, he was on the east side of Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, Bethany more specifically, and it says that Jesus led them. So this is his initiative. He is in control. This is his timing, his purpose. Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. He blesses them. He calls God's help and favour. He pronounces God's help and favour on them. Words of kindness, words of grace, words of prayer. Even to Peter, who'd failed him so much recently, He he stands and experiences the words of blessing that come from Christ there at Bethany. What a way to separate themselves from the physical Jesus, to be hearing his words of blessing. Summarises so much, doesn't it? He led them, he blessed them, he left them. It says, then he was carried up into heaven. No rocket boosters. This is not Cape Canaveral, it's Bethany. No lifts, no ropes. The one who invented gravity, defies gravity, the one who came down from heaven, heads back to heaven. Why did it happen like this? Why is it portrayed in this way? Why did he choose to do it in this way? He was carried up into heaven. Was it implying that Jesus is up there in outer space, somewhere in the solar system, behind some star, part of some nebula? Of course not. The Bible uses the term heaven, or heavens, in three ways. It refers firstly to to the the skies where the clouds are around us. It refers secondly to to space where the stars are. And then it refers thirdly to the place where God is, a spiritual realm. And Jesus returns to the third of these, a spiritual zone, if you like, beyond our astrophysics, another dimension. Jesus is taken back to be with his Father in heaven. He ascends, so it is is clear and is definite. There is no doubt of what is happening. There is no need to sort of put a a missing 
person bulleting out on Jesus. There's no need to, to, to establish some sort of manhunt to track him down. It is obvious that he's gone. He's left the earth. It is very definite, the ascension. Acts tells us he was uh, taken up in a cloud out of sight. I don't think we're to think of DreamWorks and sitting on some sort of cloud like the DreamWorks film introductions. Perhaps my picture this morning is a bit unhelpful on, on that front. Now he was engulfed in a glorious scene. That's what clouds usually do in the, in the Bible in this sort of description. And angels are present according to what is recorded in the book of Acts and they are declaring what happens. So Acts 1 verse 9, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it was definite and it was also symbolic. Ascending to a higher place. We usually think of higher places as superior places, as better places. And the Son of the Most High has gone to be with the Most High. He's gone upwards, he's ascended, it's definite. We might think, as we think about this a bit more, what is he doing in heaven? What has he accomplished in heaven? And the rest of the Bible unpacks this. It's not just an end to his life, it is the beginning of the next planned phase in the purposes of God. It's a massive topic in itself, so if I can just in a, just in a few points really sort of splodge it on you this morning, download it on you, some of the teaching of the Bible of what Christ has done or is doing in heaven. He has prepared and secured places for his people. He has sent down the Holy Spirit on the church so that he is with his people through his spirit, giving gifts, equipping them, working in the hearts of men, women, boys and girls. He is being acknowledged as king, enthroned as the ascended Lord. He is actively concerned for his people, sympathetically, as a man still concerned for his people. He prays and intercedes for believers. He receives dying believers to himself, giving them a welcome, as he did to the Apostle Stephen, as he did to Stephen, rather, in Acts. And he is waiting to physically return to earth in glory, at the end of time, coming in judgment to establish a new heaven and a new earth. The download. It's a whole realm of teaching and encouragement in thinking of the ascended Christ as we trace it through the rest of the Bible. He is the risen, ascended, enthroned, exalted, reigning, returning Lord. 
Uh, someone put it like this, thought it was very helpful, really asking, is your photo up to date? Is your, the photo of your mind up to date of Jesus? So in our houses, we sometimes have family photos. And often to the embarrassment, we have photos of our children, perhaps when they were at school, and now they've grown up and they've got jobs and they're in professions and whatnot, and they come in and there they are, sort of satchel, school uniform on the side, and the photo is not up to date. It doesn't reflect the current realities. And it is possible for us to do that with Jesus, to almost have an old photo in mind or an old understanding or outlook in mind of Jesus. So yes, you may have in your mind uh, the manger, and that is part of the story, and don't forget that. Uh, And you may have in your mind the hillside, and the teaching, and the feeding of the 5,000, and that is wonderfully true, don't forget that. And you may have uh, an image in your mind of him on the boat, calm in the storm, gloriously true. Uh, Keep that in your album. Uh, And and you, you may think further of his kindness towards the blind and the disabled and the lepers and his healing, great truths. You may have a perspective of him on the cross. How central is that? We have to realise that as we go through that, Luke. You may think of the empty tomb, and this is all great and correct, but he is now, don't forget, the ascended, enthroned, reigning Lord who will return. And so, it's good for us to ask this morning, isn't it? As our photo out of date, have we got the whole story? Have we realised that we have the ascended Christ enthroned, awaiting to return? The New Testament makes a lot of where Jesus is now. In fact, the most quoted of the Old Testament references is about him being on the right hand of the Father in this position of honour and authority. Jesus leaving earth. So, so ends the record of the events about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus leaving earth, ascending into heaven, ascending into glory, but we are not yet done in the Gospel of Luke. What about us as we leave the Gospel of Luke, as in a way we do this morning. We've been in it, on and off, as I said, for over two years. Well, what has it done to us? How, how has it affected us? So secondly, we're thinking this morning of us leaving Luke. Us leaving Luke. We have at the end here the disciples leaving the scene. But I want to just broaden it out in our thinking to think of, of, of us leaving the scene and us leaving the book of Luke. I want, to do, I want you to do a little bit of thinking on this. So we want God's word, don't we, to be changing us? Those of us who have been here for the whole series or, or those who have been part of the series, we don't want to go through all those weeks, months, without it hitting home moulding us, shaping us. What are we coming away with the Gospel of Luke? What what have we grown in? What's impressed us? What's staying in our minds? I'd like you to have a think. In fact, I'll give you a minute or so to have a think. And uh, you might want to recall what you remember the Gospel of Luke. You might 
you might want to turn the pages of the Gospel of Luke. You, you might want to turn the pages of your mind, what you remember about the Gospel of Luke. Imagine you've got a, a jotter pad in front of you and you're, you're thinking, well, what, what have been the main things that have impressed me these last couple of years, if you've been here for all of it, about the teaching in the Gospel of Luke? Give you a minute. some of you to call out after the minute or so just things that have stayed in your mind It's a bit strange to have silence in the middle of a sermon, doesn't it? What things have particularly stood out in the Gospel of Luke? Let's just have a few said just to get a sink in. Word from the cross. Thank you. Word from the cross. Lift your yep, straighten up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. A couple of other things. <coughs> Thank you. Hum- was that the humbleness of Jesus? Yeah. The doubting of his apostles. Yes, the doubting of the apostles transformed in recent weeks. Thank you. Certainty. Rejoicing in heaven over souls that are saved. Joy in heaven over souls that are saved. <coughs> well, there are many things, shouldn't there, that could have come to our minds. Maybe the, as I was thinking of it, the compassion of Jesus in so many ways. Compassionate towards those in need. The welcome of Jesus to the outcasts. The fact that Jesus saves, he came, key verse, to seek and to save those who are lost. And need to repent. Repentance theme, we've even had it just a few verses earlier in this chapter. Have we come to the end of the Gospel of Luke? Have we repented and turned to God? <coughs> Humility of Christ, as we've reminded, and need to be humble. The importance of prayer and the Holy Spirit. The message we have to take out, to be preached to all nations. Understanding of the cross is central. The danger of wealth comes out a lot in Luke. And the need to be generous. Many things. Another, hopefully as Alan mentioned, another hope is certainty. Because that is why the gospel was written 
Luke 1 verse 4, he's written to Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And Luke has given us attention to historical detail. He's given eyewitness accounts. And more recently, we've, we've had the different aspects of the resurrection. And uh, his aim is for us to be, to be certain, to, be, to come away clear, definite, convinced, confident about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. But in the last uh, two verses now, we have the disciples leaving the ascension scene and returning to Jerusalem. And a massive transformation has taken place from what they were like earlier in the chapter. They're grasping that Jesus is raised and ascended and has made all the difference in their outlook. They're not like the bewildered, despondent disciples that were on the road to Emmaus that we looked at earlier. And in many ways, the way they... Um, the, the way they feel as they leave that site, I think, reflects some of the ways we should be as we leave Luke. There are three things particularly identified. So, as well as some of the other things we've recapped, these are big things for us to, to be responding in, in this way as we leave the Gospel of Luke. Three things in these last couple of verses. One at Bethany, one on the way back, one at Jerusalem, 52 and 53. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Worshipping Jesus. At the ascension scene, it says, and they worshipped him. It's the first time you know that the disciples are described as doing that towards Jesus in this gospel, left till the penultimate verse. They've respected him, they've followed him, they've listened to him, and now convinced of his resurrection, understanding the way the scriptures have been fulfilled in him, as has happened so much in this chapter, and seeing him as the ascended Lord, they worship him. They worship him. They acknowledge him as God. They commit their lives to him in a fresh way. Mary was told at the start of our gospel, Luke 1 verse 32... He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And now they fully realise that that is the case. Well, proud uh, men and women like we are, we don't always find it easy to worship. We like to maintain control. We like to be in charge. But when we fully grasp who Jesus is, then we can't help but worship. Then we can't help but worship. We worship him. 
This morning we've had some worship songs. All glory, praise and honour. Jesus is King and I will extol him. The last verse of the hymn we sang is, Now he's standing in a place of honour. We shall sing, Come people of the risen King who delight to bring him praise. On my short list also were, At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and rejoice the Lord is King. Do you want to worship Jesus for his love, his compassion, his humility, his power, his authority, his glory? Well, that's one good way to leave the Gospel of Luke, worshipping Jesus. And there's a second way, full of joy, full of joy. Their heads were up, not down, as they walked back to Jerusalem. There were smiles, not frowns. They had joy. They had great joy. Verse 52, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. How different it is from what they've been like. How different it was from earlier in the chapter where the perplexed, doubting, uh, despondent disciples were so unhappy. There are lots of reasons for great joy. The Saviour has come. You remember the news near the start from the angels that they had good news of Great joy that will be to all the people, for to you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Great joy because a Saviour has come. We've been reminded of the way in which there is joy in heaven over returning rebels. You think of the joy there is in this parable of the prodigal son we looked at. As he comes back to the father's house, there is joy at sinners returning and finding a welcome. There is joy, Luke chapter 10, because our names are written in heaven. And however much the circumstances might go up and down, that is solid and sure and definite and gives us hope. There is a reason for joy. Some people seem to think of Christianity as a joy killer. Well, it's a shame if we've ever conveyed or portrayed uh, our faith in that way. True Christianity is not a joy killer, it is a joy creator. No doubt there are still great hardships and sadnesses in life. But the people who know the crucified, risen, ascended, exalted Saviour, those who are linked to him, have reason for joy. Peter, reflecting a little bit on the resurrection in his letter, he talks about um, having a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, then talks about the many testing trials that they are going through at this time and yet he's able to say in 1 Peter 1 verse 8 
Though you do not now see him, you believe him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. It's a good thing for us to go away from the Gospel of Luke this morning filled with joy. You've got every reason to if you're a Christian. Praising together. Praising together. Back at Jerusalem. In the final line of the Gospel of Luke. And what are they doing? They were continually in the temple blessing God. Praising God. Words of praise. Speaking highly of God. Jesus had blessed them. And now... Slightly different way, but the same word. They are blessing God, speaking favourably with a heart full of praise to God. They love to do it. They do it regularly. They do it together, not just in their homes. We don't need to go to the temple where they were. In fact, it was destroyed a few decades after. But we enjoy, don't we, praising God together? The early church certainly did. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and in breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. On the shepherd's hillside, remember that back at the start, the angels, didn't they, they had a grasp of what was unfolding when Jesus was born. And they said, glory to God in the highest. It's as if at the end of the Gospel of Luke, the disciples have caught up with that. As if the Mexican wave has gone through to them. And the Mexican wave, if you like, has gone beyond them. And it's carried on through the centuries. And hopefully it's reached us as we uncover the truths about Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And we are wanting to praise God together for the amazing thing that he sent his son into the world, that he's come as saviour, that he's died on the cross, that we can be forgiven, that there is a certain route to heaven that there is the ascended Lord. So how do we leave Luke after a couple of years? Well, hopefully there's many things that are true as we leave Luke. But amongst them it would be good if there was worship, joy and praise. And our last hymn will certainly help us to express that. So shall we move on to our last song? Come people of the risen King, who delight to bring him praise. Come all and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace. Let's sing our last song.
Oh Lord, we have had a very strange couple of years, uh, a very hard couple of years in so many ways, as people, as a nation, internationally. But we thank you that it has been our privilege to have the Gospel of Luke walk with us through that time, and that we have increasingly uncovered so much truth about Jesus as we have seen what he has done and what he has said. And that we have, in more recent weeks, seen what happened at the cross and in the resurrection. And we pray, Lord, that as we go away from this wonderful gospel, this declaration of truth, that there may be many lessons which stay with us. And we pray that we might be increasingly confident and certain of the truth about Jesus. We pray that we might remember that he is the ascended Lord. And we ask that this morning it may send us away in a spirit of worship, with a sense of full joy, and a real desire to praise the Lord Jesus Christ together. And this we ask in his name. Amen.